Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. So today I'm here again with Dr. Jeff Eckert, the director of Roots Counseling, and he's a psychologist in private practice, and he and his wife started Roots Counseling about five years ago, and he's been in this field for over 25 years, has several specialties, including men's issues, trauma, addiction issues, and today we're going to be specifically talking about sex addiction, so this may not be great to let kids or minors listen to until you've previewed it first. (laughs) Um, But this is an issue for teenagers and adolescents. So, you know, maybe um, adults can preview this. But um, and right before Jeff and I started recording, um, we were just talking about he made a great point, which I've been meaning to sort of share with my podcast in general, that a lot of these episodes are to me are like an introductory tip of the iceberg conversation to a very complex issue and just getting the conversation started and the wheels turning. And so I, I kind of like being a generalist and not a specialist. And um, sex addiction is definitely not a specialty area of mine. So that's one of the reasons I wanted Jeff to come because he's a well-respected um, expert in Chattanooga on this topic. and does groups and individual therapy. And so I could pick his brain for hours on this, but um, we're going to just try to do maybe a 20 or 25 minute intro to some of the high points. So hi again, Jeff. Hey, Beth. Yeah, I've, I've referred many people to you for sex addiction issues and I've had um, clients and, and or my clients partners and even friends in your groups and just know that it's we so are so grateful that you're willing to do this because this is epidemic i mean and i don't think we have enough of these groups i know you tend to have a waiting list for your groups i do and i don't really want to have a waiting list for a sex addiction group because when somebody's ready to get help and and move forward. I want to get them in quickly, but sometimes there just isn't a place for them. I think the positive thing about the epidemic is guys are starting and and women as well, starting to come forward and be more honest about their struggle. And that's why there are so many people getting help. Groups are overflowing Mm -hmm. because people are, are are able to voice it more than they ever have been. So that's the hopeful side of it. That's a great point. Like people are willing to come out of the shadows and you know there's a pun there (laughs) Um, with a book that maybe you can give us some resources that's one of the only sex addiction books but the more people here like join the club you know this is hard Um, and in fact it's it's really interesting and timely I didn't plan on saying this but I was away this weekend with one of my oldest friends um, since I've been four years old and her husband's a pastor and we were away with them for the weekend with my husband and we were talking about you know pornography and sex addiction and just the 
talk about the grace and mercy that you talked about at the end of our last episode. I think we just need to be so like that with ourselves and and those that have any addiction, but Mm -hmm. definitely sex addiction. Um, Just it is such an understandable problem. Mm -hmm. And and we're just kind of talking about like how many people and I know this can be women as well as men, but, um, you know, how many married men are not happy with the frequency of sex, you know, and then they end up with just at your fingertips everywhere. In the old days, you had to go to adult bookstores and buy Playboys and magazines and Mm -hmm. try to hide them. Now it's just you're bombarded with it everywhere. So, um, and I always joke about this friend in graduate school who in my PhD class, who would always say, ladies, stay away from me. I haven't seen my wife in a month. Mm -hmm. And that really resonated with me. Like he's trying to say his wife lived, he was in graduate school in Tennessee. His wife lived in another state. And so he wasn't seeing her very often. And Mm -hmm. and I, that was kind of a little image to me of how it can be when people aren't having a great sex life or happy with a frequency. And then they're bombarded with all this. People are trying to prey on them. And then, and, you know, so no wonder it's epidemic, but anyway, that's a real long intro, but that's some of what we talked about (laughs) this weekend. Yeah. I, uh, I feel like what you just shared is a, is a piece of the pie in what people, what sort of leads people into uh, a struggle with unhealthy relationship with sexuality. But I think that's actually secondary for a lot of people. It's not really about sex. It's about a compulsive relationship with something that allows them to escape. Mm. It allows them to uh, get a break from the stress of life. Mm. And they will tell you, look, this isn't about my wife not being pretty enough or not having enough sex. In fact, I, I was working with a guy years ago. He was having sex every day with his wife, and he was going after sex and looking at porn almost every time. And his wife's like, I can't have enough sex with him wow. because it wasn't really about that. This was how he dealt with lots of trauma in his past. You mm-hmm. mentioned trauma earlier. Uh, it's a response to trauma and it's a, I want to quiet the voices in my head about my past or about how disappointed I am in myself or about where my life is at this point. And this gives me that break in the same way that three or four drinks does or in the same way that smoking yes. pot does or the same way that binging on food does. So it's, it's, I would say it's more that and less, yes, a, a, a poor sexual yeah. relationship can fuel this, yeah. but that what I don't want to do is put weight on spouses here to say, Hey, I'm not having enough sex with my partner. So that's why they're a sex that's addict great. because yeah. I think sometimes there is that guilt. Like, well, well am I not pretty enough? Yeah. I've got women getting their second and third breast augmentation mm-hmm. because they think that will keep their spouse from straying. And yes. that's not, that's no. not what it is. Yeah. That's not what will bring that. Yeah. Um, that's so. super, super helpful. And so it's more like their drug of choice. Like how do you numb? Do you numb with eating? Do you numb with pornography? Do you numb with, you know, actually having sex with people and, you know, um, versus, you know, just, cutting yourself or, you know, alcohol, drugs. It's Mm -hmm. yeah, truly. And yeah. And I have certainly seen a parallel with like 
needing something more extreme, you know, like you would with a drug, you start with weed and the next thing you know, it's heroin two years later. And, you know, I'm sure you see this a lot with sex addiction. It might start with a Playboy magazine and end with going to a brothel or something. Right. Yeah. I can't count how many times I've had someone sit in my couch and say, I can't believe what I did last night. I can't believe what I looked at last night and was actually aroused by it. It's something I would have never thought I would look at. I would, I'm sickened at it. I'm sickened at myself, but it's what you were saying. They need something different and something more to bring the same effect they used to have. It's like when two drinks becomes three, becomes four, becomes five, Mm -hmm. because we build up a tolerance in our body for it. Mm -hmm. Same thing happens with this. Yeah. Well, you know, that brings up the idea of it's, it's more about a physiological thing and not a connection. Like it's not like these people are attached to the, you know, images they're seeing online. It's, it's about a reaction, like a drug. It's not, Oh, I like this person more than my partner. It's like, I need this high or this numbing agent. And speaking of books to recommend on that note, uh, a neuroscientist wrote a book called Wired for Intimacy, Mm. uh, Dr. Bill Struthers. And the book is all about the neuroscience behind sex addiction. It also weaves in some spiritual things and some relational components, but it's a lot about what's actually going on, what you were just mentioning in the brain of someone who's dealing with a sex addiction and the, the, the impact of that physiological piece as opposed to some of the other things we might think about it is Mm -hmm. a very very um, hormone physiological driven Mm. sort of addiction wow i really have about 20 questions i wish we had time to ask so maybe i can get you back on here and and we have more time now but any theories or, or research on why people choose this like and and this is a question i know nobody truly knows but any thoughts on why do some people gravitate toward alcohol some sex or pornography some cutting themselves drugs you know so here's my best guess at that based on my own work as opposed Mm -hmm. to something i've read that would necessarily differentiate i think um people who have a relational void in their lives and they want connection and they don't know how to get it in a healthy way. This is what they do. And it's people who often once again have been hurt in relationships. They they feel out of control in relationships. And these are things that they feel like they can control. So if I'm in this fantasy world, I control the whole narrative here. Mm-hmm. So there was a, an article in Playboy magazine. Um, it was an interview with John Mayer, the musician. Mm-hmm. And he was talking about, he's been with all kinds of women in Hollywood, you know, Jennifer Aniston, mm-hmm. Jessica Simpson, he's going down the list. He's like, but nothing was as good as pornography for me. And he said, I was the director of my own movie. I controlled all the outcomes. I like porn infinitely more than I like any relationship with all these other complexities and variables that I have no control over. Yeah. Wow. So the the whole article was him talking about it. He was, he's a big proponent of porn. This was, he, there's no sense of this isn't healthy or I'm convicted. It was like, 
everybody needs to access porn because it's a way to feel powerful and in control and like you have some efficacy in this area of your life. Um, wow. So, uh, so I think what he's saying is sort of an example of this idea of this is safe. I don't have to worry about getting hurt. I don't have to worry about hurting her. I don't have to worry about getting rejected or abandoned. And so seeking this out in lieu of a really healthy, intimate relationship. Mm -hmm. Another book I really enjoy is a book called False Intimacy. It's Mm -hmm. by Harry Schomburg. It was written probably 30 some years ago, but it's a classic. It's still, still relevant today because what it's talking about is we're really looking for intimacy. But what we find is a false version of it that feels like intimacy but it really is not. Mm, there's a hollowness to it. Sure. So yes. Schoenberg. Harry Schomburg, S-C-H-A-U-M-B-U-R-G, false intimacy. Okay, great. That sounds fascinating. Um, so needing, you know, control, needing connection, but like in the case of um, John Mayer, um, wanting control and protection from vulnerability, or complication, right. Um I have to bring up because it keeps popping in mind. I used to love Seinfeld. And there was this hilarious episode where they had a contest to see who could go longest without masturbating. (laughs) And one of the funniest pieces was like they were all tossing and turning and nobody could fall asleep. Mm -hmm. You know, and and you do think about that soothing. I'm sure there's different Mm -hmm. ways Mm -hmm. like and you would probably know all these. Sometimes it's activating and energizing. Sometimes it's calming. But in the same way, alcohol, or, you know, you can choose your drug of choice, depending Xanax calms you down, cocaine speeds you up. Yeah. Um, but it is kind of interesting to think about how I've known many people that would use wine after work mm-hmm. to calm down so they could be less agitated with their family or using wine to fall asleep. Yeah, so it's this, a great parallel. Is it? Yeah, I have a number of guys who would say I frequently am masturbating late at night because I can't sleep without doing that. That's the only way I can really rest well. Wow. So it's the same as the wine. Like I need the wine to really be able to rest. Mm -hmm. So helping people learn some self-soothing that's not substance or or sex related is a key. Like how do we help these people learn Mm -hmm. to soothe their nervous system, to soothe their emotional system without having to use a substance. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the big challenges. You've got to put something in place of that. You can't just say, okay, you can't masturbate at night. And mm-hmm. that's wrong. Yeah. That's yeah. unhealthy. Yeah. It's not going to work. They have yeah. to have something else they can put there mm-hmm. as part of their routine, as part of their ritual. That's a yeah. healthy way to soothe. That's true. And I really feel like it's a minority of people who actually know healthy ways to soothe as they get to be, whether they're 10 or 20. And a lot of people never find a healthy way to soothe that they're proud to share with people, you know? So that would be amazing. Um, Well, and I just, I kind of want to go off on tangents, but I'm trying to make this an overview uh, today since we don't have a lot of time, but I really would love to pick your brain at some point about how to talk to teenage boys and, and the language around that and adolescent boys and like, you know, just yes. it's such an awkward conversation really yes. to have with any adult, but certainly with your parents, you yeah. know, and just trying to help them understand, hey, this is supposed to feel good. It's going to feel good. You know, this is where it's normal and healthy and this is where it's getting out of control or maybe you need to find a different way to cope or, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. um, 
but I don't know. That may not. That may be too big of a can of worms. Maybe I can give a, maybe a quick answer to that. Okay. Um, first of all, I would encourage oversharing versus undersharing, uh-huh. and sharing too early versus sharing too late. So okay. if you're questioning, should I share? It's time to share. Okay. Because here's the reality: if you don't share or you don't expose them to it, they're going to get exposed in another way that's not going to be nearly as safe of an yeah. environment for exposure. So I've and I don't, I don't mean this as a, everybody needs to do this, but I talked with all three of my boys about sexuality between the ages of six and seven, because they all ran into something that was pretty tangible yeah. around sexuality. I said, okay, guys, this is going to be the Mexican food restaurant, sit down. And they still joke about going to Amigo or Latania <laughs> to talk about sex, but they were six and seven when we did that because they all had exposure to porn yeah. or to something significant that was sexual at that age. And I was like, this is a time to talk about it because they're already getting this stimuli and they don't know what to do with it. Yeah. So we sat down and the good thing about that is they're now uh, 9, 14 and 17. We talk about sex now and it's not like funny haha all the time. It's like they're just waiting. They know it's going to come because yeah. we've been talking about it for a long time. So the sooner the better. If you don't know how to talk about it, then uh, there's there's resources for for doing that or I've got parents coming and saying, part of the reason I'm here in therapy is because I don't know how to talk to my kid about sex. Mm -hmm. Can you help me do this? And I am happy to do that. I've I've done that with numerous parents for help facilitate that conversation. So you need to have a seminar on that. I'll help promote it. I think that would be great. I would love to. I have lots of thoughts on it. I have uh, part of the reason I ended up in the sexuality realm is I'm really comfortable talking about sex. And I have a big platform for sex being something that is much more openly discussed. I'll never forget going up to a church that I won't say here in Mm -hmm, town. mm -hmm. And I was doing a talk on pornography and Mm -hmm. marriage. And I was on a, a whiteboard and I was writing a lot of words penis, vagina, mm-hmm. um, masturbation, and, and this whole list. And this woman walked in. She's like, are we going to talk about those words in here? <laughs> and I said, yeah, we can't really talk about porn and marriage without talking about yeah. those. And to her credit, she came and stayed. And then it was a three-week seminar. She kept bringing more friends to come and be part of it. So I think there's a desire. There's a, a, a sense inside. I need to be able to do this. I just don't know how. Yes. I, I have my own awkwardness about my own sexuality. Yeah. So I don't know how to talk with my kid about it. So resources, you know, whether it be a therapist or finding some good, good things to use, you don't have to just go out and and freewheel and just say, Mm -hmm. well, I don't know how to do it. So I'm not going to do it, avoid it. Or, you know, so I would just encourage those things because the, the, the statistics that are coming out today said the first exposure to porn for kids in the generation we're in is between three and four years old wow. because kids are on the internet, they're playing games, they go to, they go to websites with the cheap codes for the games mm-hmm. or game hints. Porn, pornograph, pornographic industry is now putting links on those pages for kids. So the kids are seeing links and thumbnails that they're clicking on mm. really early. It's it's really troubling, but it's hooking these kids in early. So the research is saying between three and four. So the reality is if you're talking to your kid at six or seven, they may quite possibly have already had exposure to mm. pornography, if not other things. Yeah. 
Well, one thing I'm hearing you say, which is so valuable to remember, is this needs to be an ongoing conversation. I feel like a lot of people put too much pressure on themselves to go, we have to have the birds and the bees talk, and you're building up to it for years. So you starting it with your kids at six or seven, it's just, this is just going to be an ongoing dialogue, and then there's not so much pressure to make it all inclusive. Right. So I, I go out one-on-one with my older boys up to this point, and they're teenagers. And my oldest son, we were driving one day, and we were five minutes from home. And I said, okay, how often are you masturbating in the shower right now? <laughs> and he was like, are you kidding me, Dad? Are we already going to start talking about this? We've only been in the car five minutes. I'm like, I said, well, I got four kids. We don't get a lot of time together. Let's just dig right in and just see where things are. And we talked about it. I mean, because he, I mean, he was kind of like, oh, my word, Dad, five minutes in, we're already going there. But it's it's part of what we talk about. So it wasn't it wasn't this like I mean, yes, he was a little uncomfortable, but he was honest and he shared and he talked about things. that. And I think part of that is he's now talked with me about sex off and on for 10 years. And we've had lots of conversations, some of which I stumbled around in and made mistakes and Mm -hmm. didn't say the right thing. I mean, I work with this. Even as a psychologist. And I make mistakes all the time. And I'm like, I'm a psychologist. I can't even get this right half the time. So that's okay. Back to the grace and mercy from our first podcast. It's okay. You do the best you can. Your heart's in the right place. You're doing the good enough sex talk yes I love that good enough parenting yes oh that's so good that's great wow I can only imagine your son just this is where my dumb humor side comes in but like (laughs) your son just thinking this is so normal he goes to college and asks his roommate how many times did you masturbate in the shower today they're like I need need a roommate change this guy's a freak (laughs) he thinks this is normal I love it though but it is true that the stigma around that stuff is really not serving us very well no not at all and i think you diffuse the stigma when you talk about it you bring it into light when it comes out of the dark and comes into light it loses a lot of that power. yes yes amen i love that oh this is so good let me see what time it is i guess we should probably wrap up even though i really do have a bunch more questions but this was such a great overview and again just that idea of Sometimes I, I, I joked before we started recording that I have all these podcasts stuck in the birth canal. I have one about sex and partnerships that I've been almost like literally my husband and I almost did this together and we were about to record it and we were both kind of feeling flat and tired. I said, let's not do this. But mm-hmm. that was probably seven months ago. And um, I have done one on sex addiction with Kirk McDermott yeah. about six months ago. Um, but just really thinking it doesn't have to be complete. Every conversation is just helpful and it can be a long process. And that's, that's so good. And this was really, really helpful and informative. So thank you. Um, I forgot to ask in the last podcast. So Roots Counseling, what's your website called? www.rootscounselingcenter.com. Rootscounselingcenter.com. Yeah. And we've got 15 therapists. We cover Everything from three-year-olds to 83, 93, 103, where we got everybody wow. across the age, gender. And you do gender. teens and up yourself. Yeah, yeah. so there's nobody that gets turned away at Roots. Um, we'll, we'll work with people on on resources and whatever they need to make sure that they can be there if they want to come uh, work with us. We're a very relational place. We're there to really care for and love people well. Mm. 
It sounds like it. I'm so thankful that y'all are here and that you're doing this work with sex addiction amongst many, many other topics, but it is so needed. So thanks for having me. I love talking about this. This is really good. We'll do it again when you have time.